This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, good evening, good afternoon, good night, um, wherever you may be. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, I'm Harry Waters, and this is The Twilight Show. Uh, I haven't spoken to you for a little while now. Um, well, two weeks. Feels like a little while because I've been doing things, um, which which is exciting. I like doing things, uh, things, and also stuff are uh, top of my list of, of things I like to do. Um, last week, I went to Luxembourg um, for the first time in my life, which was fantastic. I went there and I I spoke at a, a conference in Luxembourg uh, for for Oxford University Press, which was lovely. Um, met loads of wonderful teachers, and you know what really impressed me? I was absolutely blown away by the not just the level of English that they spoke there, but their accents, the accents of of, of Luxembourgian people. I, I I don't know what they what they what they are called or or how you would refer to someone from Luxembourg, uh, but the people from Luxembourg have the most incredible accent. There was there was one person who I I was convinced that she was Irish. She, she wasn't Irish. She was from Luxembourg, um, but it was just incredible. Absolutely blew my mind. And then on Friday, I. Did some some sessions with Macmillan for Advancing Learning's new new launch. Uh, we did some roundtable discussions and talked about how we could help students become change makers, basically, which is lovely because that's kind of my job. So you know, when you can talk about your job, it's it's always ideal. And other than that, I have been furiously writing. I'm preparing a a, a wee training course for for English for the planet which is which is fun and I'm, I'm writing a book as well an activity book uh when I say I'm writing a book people get so impressed they're like oh wow you're writing a book so yeah well I'm writing an activity book which is kind of what ELT materials writers do so they can pay their mortgage and um eat they're they're two fundamental things that I try and achieve by the end of the month um, also, obviously, electricity bills, they're, they're kind of important to, to pay as well. Uh, as we know, they're all on the rise. Um, I've also been watching um, kind of, I'm not sure how I've been watching it, but events unfold in the UK. It's with a kind of smug look at the fact that I'm not there anymore and I'm allowed to live in a country where, you know, we haven't had 18 prime ministers in the last 12 minutes um, and 76 chancellors, but it's, uh, it's been just horrible to, to watch as it unravels. Um, so for everybody listening back in the UK, I'm sorry about everything that's going on and I hope it all sorts itself out soon. Um, when the revolution starts, please do give me a call. I'll be more than happy to, to make my way there and join you, uh, to, to maybe make some change. Oh, look at that, change makers all over again. Isn't that funny? Um, what else has been happening? Um, oh, I for the first time ever, now I've been married to my wife now for uh, nine years and we've been together for 12. 
And ever since we got together, my wife has said, I want to have a Halloween party. I want to have a Halloween party. I want to have a Halloween party. And I've always said, I don't mind if you have a Halloween party, but we never have. So it's taken us 12 years, but we are having one on Monday for the first time ever. And I have I've got my costume sorted out and we've we've got various different sustainable snacks and we're reusing all of our our decorations from our Halloween classes throughout the years. Uh, and, and I have my costume, I've put it together, and I am going as a sexy nurse. Um, so don't worry, there will almost certainly be evidence plastered all over the internet to embarrass me for the rest of time, um, lose me any chance of any other contracts in future, um, and at least give everyone else a semi-good laugh. Um, coming up today, I am ready to learn. I was recently asked, what did I like most about being a Teachers Talk radio presenter? One of them wasn't the sound of my own voice, um, because, you know, obviously I hate that. Yeah, shut up, Harry, you talk too much. Um, uh, another, one, another one was I get to learn so much stuff. I get to speak to professionals and learn amazing things. So uh, today I'm very excited because I'm going to be learning about something I know very little about, and that's money and, uh, and, and how to make it not fall into a black hole uh, and then nervously bite my fingernails at the end of the month because I need my fingernails because I need to paint them to be a sexy nurse. Um, so I need to leave them this month and make sure they're okay. So I have a, a wonderful guest, uh, Nicola Prentice, coming up very soon, um, in just a moment, in fact. But right now, we're going to head off for the news. We'll see you on the other side. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are With a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. A London council has waded into the ongoing debate over free school meals by writing to the government calling for the eligibility threshold for secondary school children to be almost tripled. It is currently set at £7,400, but the letter from Southwark Council suggests a rise to £20,000 per year. The letter, quoted in the Evening Standard, calls on the Secretary of State for Education, Kit Malthouse, to act now to avert a calamitous hunger crisis. It urges the government to initiate universal free school meals for primary age pupils 
alongside the raise of income threshold for secondary pupils. The letter coincides with calls from Feed the Future, a coalition of campaigning organisations coordinated by the Food Foundation, for the government to extend free school meals to all children living in poverty in England. This appeal is also in line with national food strategy recommendations, which were released earlier this year. STV News reports on how teachers, parents and young people from across Scotland are to be asked for their views on plans to reform the country's education system. A consultation has been launched as part of an independent review of qualifications and assessments, which was first announced in 2021. The review is being led by Louise Hayward, Emeritus Professor at Glasgow University, and it will provide advice for ministers to consider in March 2023. It is hoped the consultation will gather opinions on the balance between exams and other forms of assessment, as well as how a wider range of learners' achievements can be recognised. The consultation will close on December the 16th this year. Professor Haywood said that the reviews of qualifications and assessment offers Scotland an opportunity to look to the future, whilst Education Minister Shirley-Anne Somerville said the review and consultation process had a clear purpose in improving experiences and outcomes in education. In Northern Ireland, two primary schools have created an animation focusing on children's mental health. The animation is called Our We Thoughts and Feelings and was created by pupils from Elm Grove and Christ the Redeemer Primary Schools. The animation was created through Our Generation, funded by an EU Peace 4 project and led by Action Mental Health. The project also received funding from the Executive Office. The project aims to build positive relations and emotional resilience in children and young people. Pupils completed the Better Together programme, learning about friendships, empathy and breathing techniques to help manage feelings. The animation workshops were held in both schools with children travelling between the east and west side of the city. The objective of the Our Generation project is growing up better together and is currently being delivered on both sides of the border. Its core aim is to build positive relations and emotional resilience in communities impacted by the troubles. Earlier this month, we reported on the three dads walking as they campaigned to get suicide prevention on the school curriculum in all four home nations. One of the three dads, Mike Palmer, who lost his daughter to suicide, has now won a Pride of Britain Special Recognition Award. Mike and the other two dads, Andy Airy and Tim Owen, have secured 127,000 signatures for their online petition, which should now prompt a debate in the House of Commons. The Pride of Britain Awards will be broadcast on ITV on the 27th of October. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk about the power of a like. You know that little thumbs up symbol or the little red heart? In the news, young people are finding a reply to a message with a thumbs up as annoying and are looking to avoid using it. Why? Well, you pour your heart out, take the time to construct, punctuate, even find a gift that matches the mood to get a thumbs up returned faster than the time it takes to read the message. Laughy face emojis are another questionable reply. Are you one of these people? And do you need to consider how you reply to messages or not? Before we get all emoji and all, oh, see what 
what I did there. I would like to share the true power of a like. I don't have that many followers on Twitter. It's always a nice surprise when I take a look to see someone has liked something I've said. However, this week, I had the best like of my life. I was asked to be keynote on the ICT for Education conference in Manchester, and while I was there, I took a selfie with Professor Miles Berry, who is Professor of Computing and Education at the University of Roehampton, and has lots of kudos in the computing world. When I checked on Twitter later that day, I saw that none other than Martin Dugimas, founder and CEO of Moodle, Moodle is an open source virtual learning platform, he had liked my tweet. Martin Dugimas is one of my computing heroes, and he liked my tweet. I do think, actually, he was liking the fact that Miles was tagged into it, but I'm just going to brush over that part. The point I'm making here is liking and reacting is a powerful thing. It may be annoying that you get a heart or a thumbs up or an okay hand back, but you got a reply. Acknowledgement that I have this and thanks for sending. Acknowledgement that I'm busy and we'll read this later. So yes, sometimes liking a message may be seen as a lazy way out, but is it not better than getting nothing back at all? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the emoji response. In fact, I'll be tweeting about this this week. Please like it or even take the time to reply. As always, tag in at TT Radio 2022. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. I have to admit, I, I do respond with emojis. Um, my my favourite on Twitter, in fact, uh, was a response from the one and only Brit award-winning Desiree uh, when I, I posed the question of the Desiree paradox, as I like to call it, um, in her, her hit song, uh, Life, when she says... I'm a superstitious girl. I'm the worst in the world. Never walk under ladders. I keep a rabbit's tail. Then she says, I'll take you up on a dare anytime, anywhere. So I said, if I dared you, Desiree, to walk under a ladder, would you do it? Um, and she responded saying that she wouldn't. Um, so yeah, my new best friend is Desiree, uh, just, just so you all know that. Anyway, Back to the show. Um, I see that Michelle has joined us. Brilliant news. Lovely to see you. I'm also joined by the wonderful Nicola Prentice, uh, who is the chilled investor who helps people, helps ELT people especially with their money. She is she is an award winner. Don't don't worry about that. Double award winner, in fact. Um, but rather than me talk about her for ages, I'm going to let her talk about herself for a while before I interrupt her. So Nicola, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi. Can I just say that the awards weren't for the money stuff? Well, you can say that, but you didn't have to. Just to be clear. <laughs> um, no, you, you won them uh, for for ELT writing, I believe. Yeah, I wrote a couple of graded, well, I've written a few graded readers and two of them got awards. They were original stories, so I was very proud of that. And I like to always put double award winning writer in my bios. As, as you should. Absolutely. You rightly should. Um, so you're not currently uh, writing ELT materials, but you are currently helping lots of people, lots and lots of people do something um, that they're not very good at. But before we get to that, I'd like to know, how did you get where you are today? I don't mean literally in your house, you know, sitting there speaking to me. How did you get where you are professionally? Okay, so my whole ELT story starts off the same as a lot of people's because I finished university at, at a degree that wasn't really very useful and didn't know what to do. 
So a friend was doing the teacher training course and I just thought, oh, I don't know what to do. I'll do that. And then, of course, you know, you fall in love with it and you realise you can travel everywhere and you do that for ages. And um, and then I kind of just segued into materials writing because I realised one day that the graded readers that I loved using, I was like, somebody must write these. Uh, I could write one. And so I did. Uh, and it was that one that did eventually win the first award. So that was kind of what started me off. Um, and then... You know, I just did bits and bobs. I kind of thought that it was going to be a gateway into into writing course books and things, um, which has happened to you, but not to me. So um, <laughs> activity just... books at the moment, activity books. <laughs> oh, OK. All right. Well, maybe I have done a couple of those or teachers books and stuff. But I, I think you and I kind of joined that industry late where those days are really gone. It's teams of writers. It's it's not your project really anymore. I do have a speaking skills book with Collins that's got my name on it. It's a self-study book, but still it's a whole book and it's mine. Um, but that is really, you know, I just, I'm a jobbing writer. I'll write whatever somebody will pay me to write. So that is magazine articles sometimes about parenting, about travel, about, you know, whatever. If I think I can sell it, then I'll write about it. I'll mine my own life or whatever is necessary. Um, and none of that is very lucrative all of those things that i've done professionally don't earn very much money and so i was lucky that i had some savings because i did a couple of jobs um kind of nannying type jobs you know for rich families and i had some money from that and um so i had savings but i never had the security that it would take to you know i don't know it wasn't enough savings to put a mortgage down or a deposit or anything like that so i just had savings but that didn't help and it was just that question of like, I should be doing something with these, but I don't know what it is. And I mean, I literally had no idea. And I, I kind of thought, well, maybe somebody would co-buy a house with me. Um, you know, if I said, look, I've got the deposit and you could kind of provide the security of a proper status so we could get a mortgage. And everybody said no. So um, I, was just, I was back to the beginning of I have to do something and I don't know what. And it was just from there that I just started learning. So I really taught myself to invest and then thought I was so surprised how interested I was in it and I thought well this is it I need a career in finance I can go and I could finally be one of those people that has a job with money but it was going to mean going back to university it was going to mean and I've got two children and I need to work to support myself so that just wasn't going to happen and then I would have been competing with 24 year olds for jobs anyway so that just wasn't the route and then I thought well what is my skill set and it is teaching and it's writing educational materials so of course create a course to teach people the things that I've now learned for myself so you know what took me six months and a few mistakes just collating information and then doing things and investing in stuff and working out what I was doing wrong um, I can teach that to people in six weeks so nobody has to kind of go through my just scrabbling around the internet pain yeah well we we do have a wonderful guest with us uh who's, who's listening in uh one of our our mutual friends as it were uh michelle Morgan is here she she will actually be in the studio he says with inverted commas very soon uh, but she put me on to you uh, and and told me about you and what you do uh, and, and I, I, I trust that I trust her implicitly. So when she yeah. said that, I was like, "Cool, I'll check her out and I'll see what it is." Um, and it, it instantly sparked my my interest, piqued my interest. Sorry, using the wrong collocation there. <laughs> Terrible English teacher, Harry. Oh, awful. Um, it piqued my interest, and I was like, "Oh, something about money, huh?" Now that's something. 
I am very bad with. Uh, I am very bad with money. So I thought I'll definitely speak to her because that way she can magically fix me. Um, <laughs> obviously, that's not going to happen in, in a, an hour and a bit. But um, so I, I gather Michelle did your course. Um, mm-hmm. And she is, of course, now hugely rich and famous. Uh, <laughs> I never promised brilliant. anyone um, fame. Uh, well, no, but she got that herself. She she just hunted that out, and she does write course books. Uh, that's yes, true. that's that's good. Uh, so yeah, I I'm not good with money. What what can you do? How can you fix me? I'm broken. Well, well, the thing is, the first thing is, is like this is what a lot of people believe about themselves that that I'm not good with money. And the thing is, it means a different thing to everybody. So when you say you're not good at money, you mean I like to spend it, right? I'm not good with money because I like to hoard it. And so we are the complete opposite. And it would seem, wouldn't it, that I should learn to spend and you should learn to save. But we can't both be bad at money if we are doing the opposite thing. So it just it, it's, it means different things to different people. And I think it's just we what we don't realise is that money has got so much judgment, so many feelings, emotions, hang ups and everything associated with it. And so it becomes a stick you beat yourself with, but it will be a different flavor or a different color of stick, depending on basically your childhood, the values that were instilled in you by your parents about what bad money people did. And so, you know, for some people that that will be about, my, my family motto was like, neither a borrower nor a lender be. And again, it's that kind of like, you've got to keep your money with you and don't, lend it to anybody and and yours you know may well have come to you something to do with uh you know you shouldn't be spending so much money or maybe i mean i psychoanalyze you but for some people if you grow up without money you can end up hoarding it or like me that's my background or you can end up spending it because you just like oh I'm, this isn't going to be here for very long so i'll spend it now because the, who knows when the next money's coming from so it's so varied but from the complete same conditions. And then of course, everybody's got a very different background. So I think the thing with being bad with money is you have to work out why you think that about yourself. And I think when you know why it is, you start to be able to take conscious decisions to be different. And the thing that investing does is it kind of helps both you and me, because instead of hoarding it, I'll make it work for me. So I still get to keep it, but I let, let it go a little bit so that more of it will come back to me. And for you, it's OK, well, maybe I'll spend less of it and I'll let go of less of it and I'll make it grow. And then I can spend some of that money that I'm gaining from it. So it's the, the solution is the same, really, for anybody who thinks they're bad at money. And another thing that people say when they say I'm bad with money, they mean I can't make budgets, I can't do maths, I can't create spreadsheets, I can't track my spending. Um, And I think they think, well, I definitely can't learn to invest because I'm going to have to at least do those things. But you don't have to create a spreadsheet. There's there's no maths, (laughs) weirdly. There's not really any number work to do. I'm pretty good at writing a budget. Um, You know, I'm pretty good at that. You know, It's, it's easy because with huge amounts of outgoings you know mortgage as i mentioned before phone bill electricity bill um various subscriptions that you know the tiny subscriptions that you have so your netflix and uh, my wife's a photographer so we obviously have um photoshop because you can't buy that stuff anymore mm. like you can't just buy it and that's what 
I would much rather do that because I can then just buy it and forget about it. But it's always every month and, you know, uh, to have a website, I have a website. So again, it's these things that just come out and come out. It's like, what I would rather do is just pay it all at once. And and that was one thing when we bought our car, uh, I did actually have a bit of money at the time. You know, I'd done, like, I'd worked quite a lot. And we went to the, to the, the, the place to buy our car, uh, the car shop. I don't know what they're called. Lot. Dealership yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I want to buy it. I've got the money. And they're like, yeah, but it would actually cost you a thousand more if you buy it now. What you need to do is put it on finance for a year and then you can pay for it up front after that. And I was like, I don't want to do that. They were like, well, it'll be a grand more then. I was like, mm. don't have a grand more. I have like the right amount. I have, I have it here. I can give it to you now. Nope. So we had to go on finance for a year. And I think that was a good learning curve for me because I just put that money aside completely and like I knew it would come out when it came out. Um, so that was good. Um, but yeah, it's those those tiny subscriptions that also you don't get them all at the same time because obviously you're stupid. Um, well, I'm stupid. Um, not you personally, you in general. Uh, but, you know, you know, so you get something in like, right, I'm going to, get my I need to get Netflix and you, but you get it on the 11th so the bill comes out on the 11th and then you, something else comes out on the 23rd and then later on you've got I don't know uh, obviously mortgage is a brilliant one uh, love it that's at least steady that comes out frequently I know when that comes out and uh, credit cards not there's not much of that now um, it, there's a bit left but you know that's that's been something that I managed to chop up and leave behind uh so Good. that's definitely yeah the best that's the yeah exactly you know it got to a stage where you know we fell into a place where we needed it you know i'm i'm freelance my wife's freelance like work had dried up um and you know as as we were talking about just before we came on you know children need to eat so <laughs> there was that and something went wrong with the house and suddenly you realize, wow, having a house is great until something goes wrong with it and you need to fix it. And so, oh, we really need yeah. a front door. We've, we've been um, told that all these things are assets and they're not, they're liabilities. Well, they're assets and liabilities because they can quite easily end up costing you a lot of money. And I, I'm going to ask you, do you have an emergency fund? Do you have a pool of money set aside that is for these eventualities? I do. I have a I have a small pool, but I have a pool that's there for like, you know, car emergencies. You know, it, it's not a huge amount, but it's there just in case um, in another account, one that is not easily accessible to just get to when I'm like, oh, I really want a sandwich because um, <laughs> I do often really want a sandwich, um, but I don't want to make it myself, obviously. Uh, although I do make sandwiches myself. I'm not right. that lazy. So, yeah, I have a small emergency fund. So you described yourself as bad with money, but you've got an emergency fund and that puts you ahead of an awful lot of people because a lot of people don't have an emergency fund. And I mean, you know, if you are going to be good with money, one of the things to do is to set aside money for an emergency fund. So there you go. There's your first tick. I do have I do have an emergency fund. I don't have any savings. I'm a proud millennial in not having any savings, you know. I, we we have the house and this that and the other so there are things there that we obviously have had the huge outlays of but yeah uh, there's an emergency fund but absolutely very few savings but again as a freelancer 
I can see when the savings are going to come by the jobs that I have lined up. I know you shouldn't count your chickens before they're hatched and all, all of that. That's uh, that's one of the things, you know, you can't say, well, there's money coming in because as a freelancer, again, you don't know when it's going to come in. Um, I have a steady, I have some steady streams of, of income, but that's basically that will pay the mortgage this month if I, if the other payments don't come through. So there's yeah. that's there. So savings, not so much. But I do on have jobs on the horizon that could potentially become savings as long as when I get paid those payments, I don't go, yes, I've been paid and it's going to burn a hole in my pocket and rot and I don't know when it's going to come back. So I, I need to, you know, I'm not a huge consumerist. I don't go out and buy loads of things. I don't like loads of things, but, you know, I'll. I'll, I'll spend it on things and on my daughter, on my wife, or, you know, my wife and I will spend it on things. So yeah, that, that happened back in March this year. Basically we, we paid for everything we were going to do in the summer in advance, which was good because when it came to summer work had disappeared. Um, so I'd like to know, instead of paying for everything in advance, what on earth should I do with it? Well, I mean, what you should be doing is you what you need is a strategy which is basically a plan of what investments you want to make where the money is going to come from um and what platforms you're going to put it into for example so um you 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 make that plan and that plan will be okay your income is erratic mine but every quarter you manage to pay you know your tax your vat your rent or your mortgage in your case, you know, you do manage to put money into these things. So it's predictable up to a certain extent. So you just need to pick a, a, a sum of money that you know is manageable. And that might only be 50 euros. It doesn't matter. You want to establish a monthly habit and that monthly habit, that money will go to somewhere that you have pre-decided, which I'm sure pre-decided, not supposed to say that, are you? you've decided. Um, and then after that, you have your strategy, which will also include, this is what I'm going to do with what I would call like windfall amounts. So pots of cash that come to you. So that might be because of work, but it could be, you know, you get a tax rebate, you get um, an inheritance, you get a gift, you uh, win some money. I mean, you know, any way that money comes to you that's a little bit less predictable, you have a, your strategy in place. So you go, right, when I get that, 20% of it is going into my investments. I've already decided what they are and they already exist. And I already have, a, you know, payment pathway set up. My bank has the details in there. So I just go and do it so that you don't have to think fresh all the time. What do I do with this? What do I do with that? So you've got that in place. And investing is really all about, and financial management in general, is about habits. So you just create a habit that you can stick to and that's why you might pick a small monthly amount because you can definitely stick to that and it may mean choosing not to spend your money on you know if you've got a subscription to netflix disney and uh one of the others drop one you know maybe that's what it will take because not everybody's really got spare cash but most people are probably spending money on things that you can ask yourself like how many films do I actually watch on Amazon Prime compared with one of the others and if whichever one's less just drop that because what you're really asking your money to do is make it's like grow money babies so grow money babies for you um, would you rather have more money a little bit further down the line 
or would you or is Netflix really that important to you and maybe Netflix is a bad example because that probably is the one that people would keep that's but that's I've the been... only one I, I, I pay for I, right. it's, I mean it's the only one I am subscribed to <laughs> so it'll be something else that. for you but most people I'm going to run a challenge maybe in December I'm not quite sure yet but I'm going to run a challenge where I basically do a five-day challenge where I kind of help people find money because we have all got it in strange little places that we've forgotten about and one of the people that did my course is just finishing my course this time um she realized she's got two like old workplace pensions from the uk she doesn't know how much is in them she's had them for 15 years i think when she goes and looks she's going to be pleasantly surprised to see how much money she's got even if they were small in the beginning but that's it like two pensions she's forgotten about so you're just jogging your memory yeah pensions i i have like to me that's a completely foreign word uh i've mm. i'm not gonna say i've never got round to it but i've I've never i've never got round to it uh i'll be honest um and it's that whole millennials thing of you know do i have enough to do that can i pay that you know or is it not an i'm thing. gonna live forever thing i think it's a little because i what? for me it's like i don't want to think about getting old <laughs> me old never he says with his hair falling out and his beard going gray um I'm never gonna get old. don't worry i'll always be a child inside um i've decided that i won't mature past 14 so mentally i won't get any older but certainly physically i can I can definitely see it um so yeah if if not starting a pension what what sort of things could you advise me to to put this this money, this, you know, as you say, 50 euros a month, I reckon it's something I could, I could achieve. I, I don't think that's unreasonable. You know, again, it, it's, I, I could cut out certain something. habits that I do, you know, certain things I could, I could spend less on. Um, so what, what sort of thing? Okay, I've so, got literally no idea. Yeah. So what you're asking me is like, what are the various different ways of making money from money? So there are lots yes. of different ones. So I never say to people, invest in this, this and this. I say, here are all the things that are low risk. Here's how they work. Um, here's how they play off against each other, because you kind of want some things that behave in different ways at different times, because then something will be good when something's having a bad time. Um, and then you want to find out like, what's the person's goals? I mean, is it that they want pension and financial security for later? Or do they want like passive income now? So the answer to the question is really in response to that person's answers to those questions. And by the end of the course, people have kind of worked that out. But there, you know, the, the interesting thing I think for me is that people think that a pension is something different to those other things. And it's not a pension is more than likely invested in the stock market. It's invested in bonds. Um, and it's invested in, maybe in property stuff. And, and fossil so, fuels. Yes, sometimes. And sometimes people, just by virtue of not having any idea what their pension is invested in, they are invested in things they didn't want to be. And if you know, then you can start making choices about that stuff and it will represent you, your goals, your ethics, all the rest of it. So I just think that you know what the answer to that question is, is like there are various things, but there are also things like cryptocurrency which for a lot of people is, you know, the thing that they discovered during COVID, it made some people extremely rich and people thought, yeah, that's investing. I'll go and I'll just like 50 X my money doing this. And they didn't realize actually what they were doing was gambling because that's Mm -hmm. not low risk. And again, if you don't understand that, 
you think, especially at that time when it was just doing so well, and, and now it's not, everything's tanking, well, not everything, but a lot of things are tanking at the moment because we're in this sort of pre-recession, high interest, high inflation environment that we're constantly hearing about in the news. And some of our governments are um, spectacularly messing up in how they're handling that and then making it worse. So you've got all of this stuff going on and cryptocurrency is, is, is tanked worse than any of the rest of it. So a lot of people that got in at the high are now spectacularly, I mean, there's been suicides. It's, it's like, it's not even a, a, a little silly thing of people being a millionaire one day and then, you know, oh, my imaginary money's gone. It's ruined people's lives. So there's a really strong argument for just learning about what there is so that you learn what is not investing and what is just gambling. And there's a few things like that. NFTs would be another one. The digital nonsense artwork non-fungible tokens. tokens yeah but it's yeah. basically like buying a digital thing that everybody else has got access to can have whenever they want and you know yeah. people are buying that in the hopes that it will be worth a lot of money to the next person but it, it only is if that person's also willing to play along with that game whereas things yeah. like the stock market and bonds and property these are actually real things the stock market is in a way fictional but it's, it's just, you know, shares in all the businesses that are on the stock market is like most of the big companies in the world. All the things that have activity and that we buy their stuff or use their services, that's what the stock market is. It's the global economy of things that are produced. So now, it's want, not disappearing overnight. So, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the stock market because obviously, you know, there have been times, like even in recent memory, when... It wasn't doing great. So mm -hmm. is that not also a bit like gambling? So back in 2008, when, when all the investment bankers went and, and ruined the world for everybody and then got their bonuses because um, they're such wonderful people uh, and lost people's, you know, mm -hmm. pensions and just everything. And, and the, the stock market wasn't fantastic then. So obviously that, after that, it was a great time for, for the bankers to, to invest in those stocks, but perhaps not so great for... A regular person like it, us. Well, it was great for anybody that didn't panic and just stayed in the stock market. It was only bad for the people that sold. Now, of course, some big banks did collapse and they would have taken a certain amount of, you know, customers' money, but customers' money that was in their banks, not. Um, that's not really about the stock market. It caused the stock market to go down. Yeah. You know, really interesting thing, the whole thing about bankers' bonuses, the reason that they um, bailed out the banks and stuff, I was listening to a, a podcast about it a couple of weeks ago. The reason that the, uh, the guy, whoever his name was, that was in charge in America at the time, he was a proponent of bailing out the banks and paying these bonuses and stuff like that because he had studied the, Depre the Great Depression and he had understood that what had happened there, that th that depression was so bad because they let the banks fail. And so he wasn't trying to reward bankers. He was trying to not cause the Great Depression. And arguably he succeeded because he got the Nobel. And, um, and that's really terrible. That I can't remember his name. He got the Nobel. And, um, and there was a period of economic um, you know, wonderfulness for quite a long time afterwards. So back when you're investing in the stock market, what you want to be doing is investing in a lot of it, not just picking a couple of companies. And when you're invested in a lot of it, which is part of what I teach, um, those downs you just have to wait because it's going to go back up history has shown us that anyway it is you know 
in theory possible that it will never go back up but that doesn't really fit with the way the world works because companies grow and uh, economies prosper generally after a recession after a war after a pandemic you know we saw the very very quick recovery after covid so you you just your gamble is that global economy and global commerce will continue and if you think about it not continuing it means that we are in a situation that's so bad like you know a climate disaster that just totals everything or you know a nuclear war we're not really going to be worrying about what our savings are doing you know that's the thing like that's one of the things that that troubles me with investing in the stock market is that it's all based on growth and i'm kind of not a huge fan of constant growth i don't Mm. think there's a need for constant growth um i don't think it's necessary to continually consume Mm. and just use resources that perhaps we don't have um but i just quickly want to go back to the, the banks thing um i understand bailing out the banks but did the bankers really need their massive bonuses sure bail out the banks but do you have to pay those incredibly rich usually men lots of money for failing yeah i mean i think i think the people that actually failed some of them did profit from that and that there is an argument against that system obviously but it doesn't mean that you are necessarily participating in it by investing in the stock market because oh no no i'm not i'm not saying that at all no 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 i'm not saying that at all i'm just arguing that i don't think they needed their those or why can't we limit a banker's bonus why does it need in the uk didn't they until one chancellor ended that and maybe another one's brought it back i can't remember so i mean so you know why can't we well we can and do but maybe the american cultural mindset is not about that is it it's, it's about make everybody think that they can go as far as possible exactly. but yeah, it's not necessary for, i mean it's not necessary for anybody to earn above a certain amount of money is it absolutely not absolutely not i completely agree so i do have a question now i am invested in the stock market uh you may or may not know uh back when i was 22 or three uh-huh. just before just after I'd finished university, I was working in marketing. I was earning quite a lot of money. Um, I was also working two other jobs so I could save up to go to go traveling. Um, and I, I decided to buy some shares in Barclays Bank, which I completely forgot about, like absolutely 100% forgot about. Didn't know that I, I had them until my aunt, who, who still gets my mail, uh, it's redirected. She sent me a message saying, you know, you, you have these shares, you know, it's, it was 21 shares or something. And, you know, there's just over a thousand pounds there. Like, obviously it's a thousand pounds, which is probably about seven euros at the moment. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to move it. What would be your advice for me to just, just leave that there and like make that my starting point or. Well, um, you should leave it there at the moment because everything's down. So it'd be, it'd be silly to sell it and the pounds weak. So you'd suffer twice by bringing it to Spain and by selling it at a low. But the real thing about that is it, it doesn't really matter that you've got that in terms of what you would do going forward, because investing in individual shares is 
the more gambling and speculative side of it because you know you can't predict very easily what's going to happen to individual companies because any any individual company can go under but what you want to be doing is investing in a broad range of of companies which is um, something called index funds and so that's what you want to be doing you know you could wait for your barclays um shares to go up sell them and then invest in something that is going to be a bit more about incremental steady returns but you know it's only a thousand pounds so if you leave it where it is it's not really going to hurt you it's much more important to decide what am i going to do with my money that's going to come to me in the future and there i would say definitely don't invest in individual companies don't don't go like right actually barclays has done all right for me so why don't i invest in lloyd's bank and whatever some of the other ones are um that's what you shouldn't do you shouldn't let that one successful thing if it's been successful I, I don't remember if it's been successful, to be honest. I, I It was so long ago and I, you know, I was just like, oh, you know, I know some other people have got some shares there. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to buy some shares. Look at me. I'm so cool. I've yeah. got shares. I, I did and the I same like, thing a long time ago. And yeah. and it's like, it's, it's, it's not not knowing enough about the stock market to realise that there is something other than buying individual shares and individual companies. And I think most people just don't realize that. That's what they think the stock market is. They think it's picking companies you think are gonna do well uh, and buying them and then hoping for the best and then somehow selling them, even if I bet you don't know how to sell your shares, do you? No idea, not a clue. Like I say, I've completely forgotten I had them until literally a week ago, which is why obviously I'm not gonna rush to sell them or anything like that. Um, So is there anything like, I'm not going to say what's a sure hit because obviously, you know, you don't know that. Nobody knows that. Um, is there anything tangible that we should invest in? Should we go out and buy gold? Right. So gold is interesting because um, it's usually used as a kind of haven. So, um, you know, other things are volatile. So people put their money in gold at that point. And so you, it's a thing called correlation where certain things like stock market might be down. And that usually means that gold is going up for or you know, different things, different relative sort of uh, prospects. And so gold is interesting because it doesn't produce anything. So you're saying, you know, you, you want things that don't grow, um, which gold would be that because gold can go up and down in value. It's just about how much people are willing to pay for it at that time. But it itself doesn't produce anything, whereas companies produce something, governments and economies, you know, they, they do something with their money. Um, and there are other things that you can invest in, like you can do sort of, there's a lot of tech now where it means that you can crowdfund and participate in property development and things. And so the thing for you, because I know, you know, you know a bit about you and what would align with your values, it would be to go and have a look at the ethical things. And so you can invest in things called um, government green bonds, which are government projects that are going to be, uh, you know, environmentally something, I don't know, like wind farms, maybe, for example. Um, if you were insisting on investing in individual companies, you could go and pick, you know, some green ones, but I don't recommend that. What you want to look for is collections of green projects, green companies or, or things that fit with your values in some other way, because maybe that's not all about, you know, maybe some of it's about something else. Um, and you go and invest in those things in a much broader way. And then you have things that are tangible because they are making things or they are creating services or whatever it is. So that's what you would want to be doing, I think. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because, you know, I, I read a lot about you know, investing in a green economy. Obviously, 
for the planet, it would be better if we could, you know, adapt to a degrowth system, in my opinion. Um, I don't imagine that's going to happen. <laughs> it, well, it's not going to happen. Uh, let's, it, it would be nice, but again, it's, it's, it's not going to happen because, you know, people like money um, and it's kind of necessary. Well, and they like doing things. So it's like, it's not necessary that everything's about money. It's like things, some things are growing because people love to communicate. People love to see things. People love to go places. They're not necessarily... Um, you know, I think these things take energy and resources, but in order for uh, green energy to grow, I mean, you want it to take over. So sometimes it's not necessarily exactly about growth. It's that one thing shrinks and another thing grows in its place. So what you're wanting to do as an investor is be growing in, is be investing in the things that are going to grow and take over the other things. And so maybe it's a replacement, but it's a replacement with a thing that you think is better than, you know, in the end, sustainable energy will replace the companies that everybody hates now. Oh, but I hate them so will, much, Nicola. I hate them so much. Who will own those things though? But who will well, they will own them. Is they will, yeah. So it's not so clear cut really that you can well, kind of avoid the bad guys and end up with the good guys instead they will they will swallow them up because that's well yeah of course it's it's you know it's looking at that because i was talking about you know as as an elt writer um and teacher obviously there are big markets in um in the middle east where you know huge oil places mm-hmm. and i was like you know can i talk about fossil fuels not being wonderful for the planet or is that you know career suicide mm. and and you know a lot of these places let's look at um dubai for example they're investing massively in renewable energies as well like they are they have renewables they have a sustainable city there's outside abu dhabi there's a mazda city which is a a company an electronic a company that provides you know green energy and it's it's a com- Completely, he says in inverted commas, by the way, just for everybody who, who can't see me, which is everyone except Nicola. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's completely sustainable. It's completely green. You know, all, it's powered by renewable energy. Um, you're not allowed cars in the city. So they they don't mind if you're not a huge fan of fossil fuels because they know that they're still going to be able to sell their oil because people still need oil. People are going to continue using oil. And at the same time, they're investing massively in renewable energy. Yeah, exactly. And you can support companies like that through your investing. Um, it, it means, I think, that people, when they choose to do that, they do need to at least be aware, look, because I'm choosing to focus on these, there are certain things that mean my investments might be affected because what you're essentially doing is narrow, you're putting your eggs in a smaller basket because you've narrowed out you've excluded all of these other things and i think that's fine as long as you know that's what you're doing and then when those things because you know at the moment when michelle was doing the course she was looking at things and she was going oh the esg funds in my bank are doing much worse than the other ones and i was like well that's because they're not invested in the energy sector and the energy sector is doing well now when everything else is doing badly you have to know that because it might be that you see that your ethical investments are doing worse at that particular period than the others. And then you're like, I'm being punished. I'm being punished for supporting the planet. You need to understand why it's happened because there'll come a time when it will flip anyway. So 
you might sell you know you might be trying to do the right thing and then you might see that it's gone down and then you might sell it and think right it's a rigged game this is all awful look the esg stuff doesn't work and then you might get out and then what's esg sorry sorry, esg is um ethical uh, sorry um ESG is the ethical investing thing, but it stands for environmental, social, as in like good for the people, good for humanity, and um, corporate governance, which is about the, the the leadership and the you know is it corrupt, is it not corrupt, are their decision making processes transparent, is that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. Thank you. Sorry, ES- sorry to interrupt. <laughs> That's a good question. So the ESG funds are the ones that people might look for, and then they might you know feel burned by that because they didn't understand what they were doing. They might pull out completely, so they're now not supporting the things they wanted to support. They've lost money. Um, and it all just becomes something that leaves a really bad taste in their mouth. So I think it's so important to understand it before you do it. And I think it's really, it's a really bad byproduct of our just lack of education in all of this stuff. Why we're not taught it at school or university, I don't know. But if we were, then we could make these decisions properly. And when you think, like, if you're going to invest and if you want a pension and if you want all this kind of stuff, and yet people will do it not knowing what it is they've put their money in, whether it fits their beliefs or even just literally what is it, um, whether it fits their values, whether it fits with their risk tolerance, whether it um, is costing them more money than it should because they're paying fees that are too high without realising, because that's not obvious if you don't know how to look for it. And they'll do that. And just like, what else would you buy that you didn't know what it was in? You didn't know how much it was costing you. You didn't know if it was going to, how well it was going to do. You didn't know how risky it was. Like, come on. We have to give people more information than that. Well, that's something you mentioned there, which is a a really a a valuable point that I, you know, many people have spoken about. Why, like, I've not used Pythagoras's theorem again in life. I haven't used it. Like, you know, I, I can figure out the hypotenuse of a triangle, like, no problem, but it's no use to me. But when it comes to doing my taxes, it is a massive pain in the backside. Luckily, you, I say luckily, I have a, a hestor, which is an accountant, I guess. The, I don't know. It's the person the who helps that me with it. charges you loads of money to sort your paperwork out that's related to money. I'm not sure many of them are actually accountants. It, no, but, um, but it, it makes my life so much easier. And to me, like that it's a fairly small investment on a monthly basis to, to be able to do that. And, you know, I've seen where I've, I've made money back on my taxes. That sounds bad to say that I'm not like trying to scam the government or anything, but, you know, as a, again, as a freelancer, you have expenses that you need to know where to put it on which form and stuff like that. Um, and why we're not taught how to do our taxes, how to invest, um, I don't know, how to make a budget. I I remember some very small things I did at school, which was maybe one lesson. And it was, you know, you're going to plan a music festival. You have got 700 euros and the the band cost 40 euros, but this band cost 60 euros. So the smallest thing that we did, this this tiny planning a music festival, but not actually putting it into action, Mm -hmm. right? not actually doing it. I've seen there's there's a school I work with in Mexico who have created, um, they sell plant pots which are biodegradable. But, you know, there was a small investment in that and they were taught how to do it and they go out and sell it. So, you know, that's more of like entrepreneur rule, yeah. entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurial, but, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's that thing. Um, they can all go on dragons then now. But it's not teaching them how to invest their money. It's teaching them no. how to use it 
But like, that's about the limit of what it is. And it drives me absolutely crazy that we don't learn about this. Yeah. Now, we're going to shoot away for two minutes. When we come back, I'm going to ask you, how can we learn about it? So we'll be back in about two minutes. Um, and when we come back, Nicola is going to tell us how we can learn about it. So we'll see you on the other side. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. We are back. Um, I might have tricked you into thinking we weren't because I was fumbling for the mute button. Um, I did make it. Uh, so, Nicola, I, I, I've learned a lot already. Um, obviously, not enough um so you can't don't worry you cannot you cannot learn it in half an hour it's impossible are you sure if i for me if i can't learn it in half an hour it's not worth learning no that's a joke obviously <laughs> um please don't ever tell that to any of my students because i definitely can't teach them in half an hour um you have a course yeah um, okay so i'd like what, to know something yeah. about your course right well in, in terms of like the practicalities i teach it in six weeks and that's six 90 minute classes and i added two one hour workshops and i am actually going to take one of those away and just keep uh one because i realized that first one doesn't isn't really necessary and then there is homework um which is elt style kind of you know concept checking and vocab checking all very familiar to anybody who's ever taught in an english classroom and then i get people doing reflective journaling type tasks as well because it's really important the mindset behind this stuff is so important how you believe money is and what you think it's for and how you feel is going to drive your success in this sort of you know investing thing and it's not something that's gonna be you're going to be aware of but you're gonna you know you might panic when something happens and you have to kind of teach people how to deal with that and then really what we do i teach everybody about what investing is what it isn't what the different things are that you can invest in and what are the pros and cons a load of mindset stuff so that i use a swear word so i won't use it now but i i think like it's basically about learn these basic principles and then just don't f it up and here's how not to f it up is to get the psychology of it down and then we put together a strategy and then off you go and for you or for people to take the course it kind of stops there like i've become really interested in this and so i'm listening to podcasts and you know learning all the time and i might take it a lot further 
but you don't need to once you've done that six weeks and then you've done a bit of research to find out what's available in your country because obviously like a platform i can use in spain is not necessarily available to somebody in the uk or america or whatever but i've given people enough knowledge that they can go and they can research that just like you would if you're booking a holiday you know you wouldn't need somebody to come and explain to you every time how air travel worked you'd be able to go and book your flights in whatever country you needed to do and so then they go they'll set up their accounts and then that's it you just keep carrying out the strategy you've created and you will have enough knowledge to know when it might be time to reevaluate your strategy because you understand why you've got a strategy and what it is. And the thing is, it all sounds so much more complicated than it is. But what happens to people during the six weeks is they're like, oh, whole new. It's like switching on lights in your house. You're like, oh, there's the kitchen. OK, I get it. This is the room for cooking. This is what it looks like. I recognize that. And it's just like that. It's just switching on a load of lights these things that have been around you your whole life, but you didn't understand and you didn't think were for you. And then off you go and do it and your interest can end there, really, because you'll have sorted it. And then I'll just be there It'll carrying be on done. the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the, as you say, it's a six-week course. Is, is it a group course? Yeah, so um, I do it as a group course. Um, I think it's nice for people to have people to share with that don't, you know, are in, the, in the exact same place as them. Um, and I'm always on hand to answer questions. Uh, and so far, I haven't had a question I couldn't answer. And if I couldn't answer it, I could say why. It's because like, look, that piece of information is not there that should be there. And um, so we do it as a group and it's like live classes at the moment. And I'm running it a third time starting on November the 2nd. So I'm taking like registrations for that now uh until Thursday. how can people register for your course so if you check out the website you'll see um a bit more information about me um information about the course and then you can literally book from there but you know you can find me on linkedin and i'd really encourage people to just get in touch and ask me because i think for a lot of people it's scary still it is scary because it's this huge unknown thing and it attacks us at a really core place, which is our fear of losing money and having no money. And so it's scary, but really what you're doing is trying to build some security for yourself just by having these things in place. Um, and you know, some of them generate, some of the things I invest in generate passive income. They're not things that are sitting there waiting for me to retire. They are paying me out every month. And so when you're talking earlier about all the bills that you've got to pay, and we all know how expensive our bills are going to be in winter, I know that some of my investments, if I so choose, I can just make them, you know, pay into my bank account and that'll be the electricity bill in the hard months. And I find that really reassuring because that's money that I'm literally creating from my money instead mm -hmm. of work. And so you said we could go to your website. Would you like to tell people what your website is? I could tell them, but I'm not going to. I'm going to let you. I will put it in the description box, everybody. Don't worry. Don't worry. It is there. Um, so would you like to tell us what your website is? So it is www.chilledinvestor.com because by the end of the course, chilled is how you'll feel about investing because it really isn't so scary. And I, I would just like to say that I have, you know, read a few reviews and heard a few reviews from from people I, I genuinely respect, like people like Michelle, people like um, there's I read the one on your website from Kath. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when I see people like that have have done the course, people who, you know, they're, they're definitely course doers, you know, they're, they're people who like, you know, CPD and stuff like that and improving themselves. And for me, this seems like it would be an investment in oneself. Um, exactly. Like when we, we go out and we do 
you know, courses, this that, and the other. Anybody who wants to do my course, of course, feel free. Um, <laughs> but what we're doing is we're investing in ourselves with new skills. But these are are not necessarily professional skills. They're they're personal skills, but life they're personal skills, skills yeah. life skills, and therefore, you know, they they will help us very much in the long run you know with this kind of security that of course we all want we all crave because i'll be honest my, my wife and i are, are pretty chilled in our lives we don't we don't argue very often the only time we ever argue is about money or how bad i am at cleaning um i clean a lot eh? I, like i'm not it's not that i don't clean it's just i'm i don't want to say i'm rubbish at cleaning no, I, yeah, okay, I refuse to do it well. I, I don't have high standards of cleaning, I guess. You know, I, I grew up and my parents weren't, you know, the, 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 they weren't not, they were not clean. You know, and I was left in my bedroom was my bedroom and I could deal with it how I wanted. And if I wanted to live in a pigsty, I could. I don't do that anymore. I, I do clean, but apparently I, I'm inept at making beds. Um, you know, I, I am inept. It's it's true. I can't. I, I I'm, I'm rubbish at it. I I try. I'll spend ages on it, and it still all end up creased. But yeah, that's what we. They're the things that mm. I guess most couples. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a money huge would cause, be the root of. Yeah. Money is a huge cause uh, cause of stress and arguments in relationships, and no wonder because everybody's coming into it. Those things that we talked about at the beginning, like your own hang-ups and your own beliefs and all of that stuff, you're coming into it with with different ones because it's very difficult for those to be the same and so that like I said it attacks us at such a deep level that of course it then creates problems in a relationship and it can create problems for the relationship as well and it I think you know if you are going to learn about investing I do try to teach people like involve your partner because the decisions, you know, it's no good having it be like, look, I did the course now, I'm in charge of that. And the other person's going, oh, good, Oof. good, I can't deal with that. It yeah, has to be joint. Yeah, that, that, is, that is something that we, you know, we are very much, everything is like, it, it's, a, it's a partnership. Um, I'm in, I don't want to show off or anything, but I'm incredibly lucky with, with my wife. She's brilliant. She's incredibly supportive. Um, you know, she... She encouraged me to to break out and go freelance, and she pushed me, and she always makes sure makes sure that I do the best thing, like you know, make the bed properly. Um, but so I, I'm incredibly lucky in that. You know, I I, I count my blessings every day. So um, I think getting involved with that together with her because I can see like I'd never thought of the the whole you know growing up thing. How things, how you're, like, I've never thought of that. I've thought of it for other things, yeah. like the way I react to certain situations, how I'm, you know, when I am told that I didn't make the bed properly, why my immediate reaction is, yeah, well, but I did do this. No, why do I do that? I don't know. Why do I get defensive? Again, I think back, I think, ah, because that's what maybe my parents did in the past, or that's what happened there. You know, I can see that with those emotional things, but I'd never, ever thought of it with like, money habits it's not something that ever occurred to me when obviously obviously that like has it is, is a huge factor huge it's huge and so how can we how do we break this cycle of, of it, it's how knowing. do we learn what it is that is our hang-up like that's yeah. the thing like you reflect I'll... i mean once you start asking yourself questions and it is as simple as what you just said there why do i do that 
you know, where did I see that? Or where, where did I learn that? And, and so with the homeworks in the course, a lot of the things are kind of reflective. And I do get people to, to sort of ask themselves, you know, what, where did that come from? And, and I think once you start looking, it, it's perfectly obvious. And the money stuff is not so usually so deep and dark and hidden. It's not like a trauma exactly. Well, I mean, it might be related to trauma, but it's, it's going to be quite visible when you look back at your life. It's not going to be this thing that takes five hours of hypnosis therapy to uncover. It's going to be, you know, for me, I grew up in a single parent family and I always knew that we didn't have money. And I knew that, you know, my grandparents would give us money sometimes. And I just obviously just absorbed the idea that money was scarce. And I held on to that. And my sister became a big spender she's curbed it now but um she did you teach her how to curb it (laughs) no (laughs) she doesn't she's not interested in taking my course because she's got a proper job with a pension but she should because a pension alone is not enough there you go um well i love that phrase a proper job (laughs) slipped out sorry yeah no 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 don't don't apologize because i often like you know i often think as you know as a freelancer when it's in those those fallow times it's like should i get a proper job like Mm -hmm. I think maybe I should and then I think but if I do that I won't be able to do anything that I do now and I absolutely love what I do I love like the variety I love all these different things um but yeah that I get this this weird thing so when I I finish a project um I've done you know quite a few projects um one I did one really big one last year um last year yeah it was last year speak up for sustainability mm-hmm. and it was it was a really big project that I did and I, I loved it uh, and at the end of it like that like that had been like it was a six-month project or, or something like that so I had that steady income for six months at the end of it like I wasn't left with the fear of where's the money going to come from now because you know I knew that other things were on the horizon but I, I was just really sad that the project had ended and like I didn't yeah. get to work with those people anymore. But, mm. you know, since that project, there have been others that I'll see coming towards an end and like you know, often projects overlap or something will come up, but there is that kind of, Oh dear, what, what am I going to do? So is there anything like, I'm guessing the, these investments, like you said, these, I can't remember what you said, the incremental, the, these, these smaller investments that can help out that kind of thing is a, is yeah. a good idea. Yeah, and what sort of thing is that? So those are, again, it's hard to explain in, in what takes me like an hour lesson, but they are based on the model of crowdfunding, basically, where you're pooling money with other people or, and, or you're, um, you know, it's being divided up amongst other projects. And some of those projects can be um, buildings um, and some of them can be loans, actually. So instead of a bank lending money to people, it's it's like your money that's being divvied up amongst people. So you might be lending seven yeah. euros. To My cousin works for a company that, that helps with that. Doing it. Right. So it's those kind of things. And so sometimes, you know, what you're investing in is people who come to these alternative companies for a business loan, for example, because they were trying to start a business. So you might be investing in other people, but very indirectly because these platforms are massive. You know, you just kind of have your money's distributed by an algorithm, really. But um, that kind of stuff, those are the ones that sort of pay out. Uh, regular amounts of interest and it's not like you've got to wait for the market to be this or that cool so uh, what i i really like the idea of um 
And again, I, I, I literally came into this, I'm not going to say blind because it was worse than that. I, I, I was absolutely, I, I was completely senseless. I couldn't even taste, like it, it, was, it was nothing. There was no smell, there was nothing. Um, so what I really like about the idea of, of the course, and well, just the whole idea of this is there isn't a, you know, one answer. It isn't, okay, everybody, go and invest in the next Google. Of course, we all want to invest in the next Google. But what you do is you learn about people's desires. So as you say, you know that that there's no way that I'd be going and investing in in any kind of fossil fuel company or anyone that invests in that. There's no way. And I like the way that you you get to know people and and you help them get to know themselves. And from that, they can go and, you know, take the next step and, and, and do what they think is right. Exactly. Nobody's going to come out like invested in the same things as me because they're not me. And, you know, they don't live in the same place, have the same financial setup, like family, like, you know, interests, like none of that stuff. They, they'll be loosely following what I'm doing in a way, but what they will be doing religiously is following the principles and the mindset and all of that stuff we should be behaving in the same way but what we've actually put our money in would be completely different and i just i think that what people think that i'm going to do is tell them what to invest in and that's what i'm not going to do i'm going to tell you here are the things and then i'm going to help you be able to choose for yourself and and you really will be able to i i get them for their homework before we even get halfway through the course they're researching uh you know financial products and coming back to me and telling me oh I think the fee on this one's a bit high and they're doing that I'm not I just sit there with a big grin on my face because they're they're doing it themselves and I feel like a proud parent it's really nice so what I love about this as well is like you're not you're you're empowering people basically Mm. you're 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 not a financial advisor and you're not trying to pretend to be a financial advisor because like the idea of a financial advisor it's great but that way you're paying somebody to do something with your money and to have a financial advisor you definitely have to have like quite a high level of income and I don't know about other ELT professionals but high level of income isn't something I would usually put um, for ELT professionals perhaps those of us who work in Spain with a slightly lower cost of living um have it and we work with companies in in other countries perhaps we you know are vaguely more comfortable I, I tried to imagine when I went back to the the UK recently I tried to imagine living on what I earn from mainly UK companies in the UK and I was just like how how do how do people do it because you know it's not a phenomenal wage it's it's you know what I do that I, I work I work very hard um like much harder than than when I was permanently in the classroom you know there was a switch off with that I could get home okay I couldn't really switch off very easily but you know after I'd screamed and shouted about how awful everything was and how the management were terrible and how Pepe was just horrible I could switch off now I can't do that but you know the financially over a year it's kind of generally a little bit better I I still love teaching don't get me wrong um so yeah you're what you're doing is helping people help themselves which is empowering people yeah and the other thing to say about a financial advisor is most of them if they're handling your money for for the long term they're just salespeople. they don't really 
they don't know very much more about the whole thing than you would do by the end of the course, but they're just there to make sure that you invest in things that they make commission off and they will make that commission regardless of how well you do. So it's, it's really, you know, going to a financial advisor seems like this really responsible decision and it is, except it's really going to cost you in a way that you just don't need to. You just do the course or, you know, go away and learn by yourself like I did. It's just going to take you a lot longer. You're going to have to be a lot more interested in it and you're going to have to sustain that effort. And then you're going to have to go away and sort of trial and error a few things, but just learn it and do it yourself. And it's, it's, um, it's like, you know, you don't have to be a dentist in order to keep your teeth clean. It's exactly like that. It's, it, it feels a bit like, you know, financial advisors to me feels a bit like, I don't want to offend anybody here, but I probably will. Um, like a, a mortgage advisor, to me, again, it's like, you can, you can find out about all the different mortgages and you can find out, I know that, you know, that you will save money, this, that and the other, but I, I have a, a friend who, well, an ex-friend who was a mortgage, is a mortgage advisor and, and he did some terrible things. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of tainted my view on that. But then estate agents, man, I'm really sorry, but estate agents, they are, it's, I, I worked for a, a letting agent for a while and it was just literally like, just horrible. Like people who weren't out to help other people, like yeah. they were only out to help themselves. And, you know, for example, if, um, if the house value, if they take 10 grand off the house value, that's not going to change their commission massively. So it doesn't affect them. It does affect the person selling the house though, because yeah. 10 grand is a huge amount of money. Um, unless you're selling a $5 million mansion, you know, if you're selling a 180,000 euro house and they take 10 grand off, that's, that's a big portion of money that you're, you're having to give up. But for them, maybe a grand, not even that, which at the end of the day, if they're still getting their 16 grand, they're not going to really care with their commission. So to me, that's kind of how I view a financial advisor, like an estate well, agent, yeah. but for money. Well, it is. I mean, you can, there are such things as independent financial advisors. They'll be called different things in different countries. It'll be regulated in a different way. But you can go and have consultations with people and you're paying them by the hour. And when your hour is done, their job is done. And those people are there just to give you advice. And a really great time to get a financial advisor is at retirement because you might have pensions and this and that. But when you actually retire, everything's changed. You no longer have income. So therefore, you're looking at restructuring all that stuff. And that go and get, you know, go pay somebody and pay them as a one off to give you some advice about what there is. But if you have somebody doing it for you, then, yeah, they're exactly like the they're just it's just about their commission. But if we do your course, we won't need to go and speak no. to them at retirement age, which I'm, I'm never going to reach retirement, retirement obviously. retirement age, you would. retirement age, you would, because I don't teach the things that there's, there's products called annuities, for example. And I don't teach about that. It's a, it's a more typical retirement uh, product. By the time I get to that age, I probably will have gone and learned about it. And then I may have a course. But Exactly. Moment... <laughs> so I'll hopefully be retiring at a, a similar-ish time. So, you know. I'll just be able to be like, woohoo, I can go and learn from you now and I don't have to pay a financial advisor. Um, but I because could, it I... would be a one-off a one-off piece of advice, that that isn't the same leech as having somebody who is, I'm, I'm going to use the inverted commas now, managing your money. They're not. They've set up these really dirt simple things and they're just creaming off a commission off each thing and they call it a product management charge. There is no management in, in necessary. 
their mo their main management is you you know emailing you back and sending you little updates and just creating busy work for themselves and you because you don't know what's going on you'll be emailing them going oh my god i've seen this and it's down and what's this and i'm worried about this and then they'll reassure you that's what they're there for they the one place that they do pay off is because they do stop people just going covid i'm going to take all my money out so they they will have kept a lot of people in uh and that's that that will have been how they earn their money but you know that's not i can't believe i didn't invest in in toilet paper during covid <laughs> like why didn't i invest in andrex during covid i was like wow oh, what, what a missed opportunity that would have been brilliant um anyway uh, i feel i've gone off topic as i've somehow managed to talk <laughs> about toilet paper who does who'd have thought it yeah well, well done harry talking about you know finances and managing finances and you bring up toilet paper what a surprise um I'd somehow managed to get toilet paper into most conversations. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Like, how can it cost so much money to to clean yourself? It's ridiculous. Anyway, um, I'm going to stop talking about toilet paper because I feel like I'm bringing the conversation down. Um, yeah, it's not the note I ended on, is it? No, no, not not ideal, not ideal. Um, I am going to kind of start to, to wrap things up a little bit. Um, I'm going to ask you very simply. Now, this is an impossible question that I'm going to ask you. <laughs> Should have warned you about this one. Yeah. Um, is what are your the top face of worry? Yeah. Yeah. What are your top three pieces of advice for somebody who wants to start investing? Okay. That you've got loads of them, or just a couple of bits of advice. Some advice for someone who wants to start investing to kind of get the ball rolling. Obviously, doing your course yeah. is an obvious one. That is one. number one, right? That's I mean, the, the clear yeah. and most obvious one. Okay. So if, if the most obvious one is go away and learn about it. The second one is then just do it because you can get really stuck in the procrastination phase. And, you know, I'm not specifically talking to Michelle, but um, <laughs> she, she's still listening. She, she, you know, she spent a lot of time researching. I was going, you sure you're not procrastinating just a little bit. Um, and so it's just do it because you feel like, you know, you feel like you're, you're doing something frightening with your money. So that says so it's like, learn it, do it, and then forget about it because you've put it in place, you've got strategies that are mostly your money should be automated going out of your account and into that just like it is for everything else. And you may have certain types of accounts that mean that you have to kind of do something with it once it arrives in that account, for example. But other than that, just forget about it and go and live your life because it's go the whole point of it is that it's, it's growing over time without your real input. The, the more you leave it alone, the better it'll do. Learn it, do it, forget about it. I like that. That was quite that good, might, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it could be a motto. Um, learn it, do it, forget about it. That's pretty, See, I asked you for three things. You told us three <laughs> things. Um, and it can, it can start with being something as simple, as you say, as sort of 50 euros a month, yeah. maybe. That can start like that. That's yeah. a... Do not get hung up on the amount. I did a calculation for, I, I made a post out of it, but like if you invest one pound a day every day for, for 20 years, you'll get 7,201 that you put in and it'll turn into 20,000 pretty much if you've invested it in something that's returning 10%, which is perfectly achievable. And if you leave it for another 40 years, I think the figure was not another 40 years, if you leave it for 40 years, that kind of just turns into like 159,000. And that's just for a pound a day. 
so that's that's 30 a day. Yeah, well, yeah that's 30 day. euros a month isn't it that's yeah, you know, you know, at the end of the day a day, that's dollar a day whatever but yeah i mean that, that you, you just you time this is the thing that people don't understand again and it's the thing we do in our first lesson but time is much more important variable than how much you put in it but of course if you put more in you're going to get more out but it's about just a long stretch of time and you know even if you're starting in your 40s you've still got 20 I'm not 40 years. yet I'm not 40 for yet. Example, for example, I'm not for, I know I look it. I, I know I look it. Oh, I'm still 38. Wow. It's, it's remarkable. People are like, really? Only 38? And, and, and my wife, who's who's six months older than me, people are like, wow, you don't look anywhere near that. You look incredible. I thought you were 28. And I'm like, hang on. So you thought she was 28. You thought I was 45. Like, That's a massive, what? That's ridiculous. But yeah, um, anyway. Um, but yeah, as you say, there's still those 20 years that... Yeah, you know, it's not too late. And even if, you know, you start when you're 60, it's still five years. You've, you know, it's ideally you have longer stretches of time. But even, the, you know, the day you retire doesn't mean that all your investments come out. Some of them will stay. But the real thing is if you have children or young people in your family and you teach them this stuff that you will now know, then you break the cycle for real because they start investing in their 20s with their part-time job or whatever, they are going to retire a millionaire easily. And, you know, maybe a millionaire won't be, you know, majorly rich. By then it's not majorly rich now, but they will still, you're giving them financial security. And it's yeah. the thing that we didn't get at school and they're not getting to get at school either, but you can give them that knowledge. I've I'm teaching my seven-year-old and I will, he gets money for his birthday now. And I say, okay, what do you want to do with it? And he says, I'll invest half of it and I'll buy blah, blah, rubbish with the other half. And uh, you know, what a great thing. He's really going to understand so, that by the time he's earning money. So rather than putting half of it in the bank and spending half of it on whether it's a good idea to maybe put a quarter in the bank, invest a quarter and then ah yeah there we go i'd not yeah. even thought of that again so there's another thing there's another like enlightening thing there behind yeah. the, the stars lighting behind my head because yeah i tried to teach it to be responsible with it mm. and not just be like oh, i've got this 10 euros i need to yeah. spend it because it's there i, I yeah. want that yeah That's and it's like it's a great thing you're trying to do. You're like, you, you like, I'm bad at money. I spend it. I'm going to teach my daughter. I'm going to break the cycle. I'm going to, she's not going to just spend all her money. But actually, if you teach her about investing, she's less likely to go spending loads of money stupidly because now you're like, oh, I see. There's a destination point for money that is an alternative to boring being in the bank, exciting spending, investing. You've got like another destination point for your money now. And it's like, you know, a lot of parents, they beat themselves up with like, oh, I've got to provide for my child and I've got to, you know, I can't ha let them have university debt and I can't do all that. And this way you can kind of let them go, having taught them stuff that as long as they start implementing it in when they start earning money, they're sorted forever. That's Amazing. awesome. That's awesome. Um, I feel like in this short, short time you have like, awakened a lot of things within me um some dark things uh yeah that's not your fault but you know definitely not gonna blame my parents but just, you know why not um <laughs> i don't want to blame myself god i can't do anything wrong i'm perfect um obviously that's not true uh you, you've awakened a lot of things and i hope people Amazing. listening awoken yeah 
an awakening i don't know anyway it's late you know it's almost half past eight i haven't eaten dinner um which for people in the uk are going to be like what you haven't eaten dinner and for people in spain like you still got like four hours to this time to eat your dinner what are you talking about me um cultural differences uh i feel enlightened there you go got that Amazing. word right at least um, with a lot of things um and uh not with your next course but perhaps the one afterwards i'll definitely January. be um, yeah. January, there you go. That's always a good time to turn over a new leaf, although I'm very anti New Year's resolutions. Um, yeah, I think don't you can do have a new, new year. Do a new day time. resolution. Um, yeah, I think that's it's spectacular. And January will be a good time for me um, <laughs> because I, I have a big project in December. So um, that sounds excellent. And I want to say thank you to you, first of all, of course, for coming on. I want to say thank you to Michelle, who put me on to you. Um, and she was like she'll be great I was like yeah sure great talking about money and I was like holy something that really is great um and yeah I'm gonna go away and consider what type of person I am (laughs) (laughs) I'm a good person I promise uh and yeah it's 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 been really thank you very useful thank you so much I will put your email address in the description box so for those people who are coming back and downloading later which is usually michelle she usually downloads it later and listens but she's actually listening in now so she's gonna be like did you have to mention me quite so much during the show (laughs) um she will be on on the i can't see november the the 23rd of november she is she is a guest so um I imagine you'll be listening live at the same yeah. time um, and we'll constantly mention you. You, you can actually <laughs> respond. Of course, she can't. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you know, you, you can. Actually, she could have called in and been like, stop talking about me or even messaged, but she's just sitting there quietly. Um, but again, thank you so much for, you know, enlightening me for, on so many different things. When we spoke briefly yesterday, you were like, I don't want to tell you anything because I want you to come in. You you didn't say I was ignorant. Um, <laughs> naive. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You said that I was probably naive. You were absolutely right. You could have also called me ignorant as well. I wouldn't have been offended because I was. But I feel, as I do with a lot of guests coming out at the end of it, I feel slightly less naive and slightly less ignorant and slightly less that I'm going to say I'm bad with money now. And I'm just mm-hmm. going to think, what should I do about that? So thank you so much. Brilliant. Thank you. Okay, then. So it is time to go. Um, th- it, wonderful day today. I've, I've, my, my mind has been blown on various occasions. We will be back next week. Um, again, I keep looking back at the calendar and not seeing who's on it next week. Um, I believe it, I'm not going to say who it is because if I get it wrong, they'll be really angry. But I've got the next six weeks are completely booked up with wonderful guests. Um, so please do stick with us and I will hear you. You'll hear me next week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.